Hello, this is your Bible teaching programme, Search for Truth, and I'm here again with our Bible teacher, Brian Johnston. We began a new series last week where Brian considered the origin of the universe, how it all began. And Brian, as usual, looks into the Bible, God's word to us, as he discusses miracles atheists believe while failing to explain God's wonders. So, with study number two today, here's Brian with Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Thanks, John. It's wonderful to see the stars on a dark night when we're far away from the streetlights of any city. Some of the best views that I've ever had of the heavens have been from the African continent. If you've seen photographs of the stars of our own Milky Way galaxy, photographs that have been shot at night from the bottom of a canyon in the United States, for example, you'll surely agree that they are an awesome sight. But have you ever thought of how they were formed? The first chapter of the Bible uses an impressive economy of words to describe the creation of the stars by God. It simply says, He made the stars also. Stars also. Two words only in the original language. That's the height of understatement, is it not? The universe around us is vast. Perhaps it's worth me trying to give you some sense of the grand scale of the universe. There's a way of doing this that's really quite neat. If we're going to measure some large object, we need, or we used to need, an item for comparison that had a very well-known standard length. For example, in school, we used to use the schoolboy's standard 12-inch ruler, or a yardstick marked out as exactly 3 feet in the old system of imperial units that used to be commonplace in the United Kingdom. Well, to measure the universe, we're going to need some kind of gigantic ruler, a massive yardstick. In other words, we need a standard unit of length that's big enough for the job in hand, namely making measurements of the universe. What's the longest distance that we can easily imagine? Well, that would probably be the distance from where we stand on Earth all the way to the sun that we see daily overhead in the sky. What if we make that our standard unit of length and use it as a measuring tool? Let's call it one astronomical unit and see how we go on. Astronomers are confident we know the distance from the Earth to the Sun and they tell us it's 93 million miles. So that's one unit. Now, here's where it gets neat, owing to a strange coincidence. There are the same number of inches in a mile as there are astronomical units in the total distance that light travels in one year which we would call a light year. Let's work everything on that scale, where one inch represents one astronomical unit. That means one mile represents a light year. We start with the Earth. And so if the Sun is taken as being one inch away, then on that scale our nearest star would be more than four miles away, and our nearest big galaxy over two million miles away. That's already massive, even on this scale. And of course, these are only the very nearest objects. And that seems to beg the question, why is the universe as big as it is? That question is particularly relevant if we as Christians believe God's purpose in creation was primarily to create a habitable environment for his human creation. Psalm 14 begins by saying, The heavens declare the glory of God. 
That probably gives us some clue as to why the universe is so big, nothing smaller could adequately convey anything of the glory of God. Well then, the universe is gigantic, beyond the ability of most of us to imagine. Modern science does try to estimate, or make a good guess, at the number of galaxies the universe contains. Our own backyard galaxy is the Milky Way, but it's thought there could be 100,000 million other such galaxies. That's a one with 11 zeros after it. What's more, we might suppose there's the same number of stars in each and every galaxy, at least on average. Put those two factoids together and you would get a possible total guess of the number of stars in the universe as being a one followed by 22 zeros. Remember, we think of a million as being a big number, but that's only a one followed by six zeros. Here we're talking about a one followed by 22 zeros, being the possible number of stars in the universe. But remember, it's only a guess. But how did the stars form in the first place? Well, that's a bit of a mystery. A major mystery, in fact. We often hear of how the universe is expanding. There's certainly evidence that can be interpreted in that way. But here's the thing. We learn in school about how the early universe contained only the lightest gases, hydrogen and helium. But gas clouds in an expanding universe won't collapse to form stars. That's because gases don't tend to come together. Instead of coming together, they disperse, especially when there's a lot of heat energy about. To bring about any collapse, the Big Bang story, a term that I'm sure is familiar to most, if not all of us, the Big Bang story invents the miracle of something called dark matter. It's dark because we haven't been able to detect its existence. This invisible and undetected stuff is something that needs to be imagined in order to generate a lot of gravitational attraction so as to compensate for the expansion of hot gas clouds. It's also that these dusty clouds condense under the action of gravity, which, as we know, is the force that draws things together. Bible-believing Christians have been scorned for believing in a God of the gaps, the criticism being that the only reason we needed God was to fill in the gaps that science couldn't explain. For some, it seemed that as science became more sophisticated, those gaps were shrinking and soon God wouldn't be needed at all as a fallback explanation. In reality, the gaps have simply been filled with things like dark matter. That also takes faith. It's blind belief in things for which we've no evidence. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This is not magic, because God, who is eternal and omnipotent, is a sufficient cause for the universe. And he can exist eternally, and therefore has no beginning, because he is a non-material being. God is spirit, the Bible says. According to the Big Bang, and it's the only game in town in the world of secular science, in order to explain the origin of stars, there had to have been two phases or two stages of star formation. The first involved the formation of hydrogen or helium stars, and we've already mentioned the difficulty with that. But moving on, we also have countless stars, like our sun, that are not just hydrogen and helium, but they contain the heavier elements. 
That's where the second phase supposedly comes in. Exploding stars, known as supernovas, are said to have produced sufficient pressure to force hydrogen and helium together to make new stars that then made all the heavier elements, including the elements we're made of. Which brings us to another problem. How do exploding stars, with stuff flying in all directions at great speed, how does this cause stars to be made from all those new elements? There has to be a coming together of the elements, not a flying apart. Pieces hitting one another would bounce off rather than stick. Most ideas to solve this involve lots of supernovas in close proximity to make sure enough stuff collided together to form a protostar with sufficient gravity to overcome the tendency to fly apart. However, supernovas are not common events, never mind lots of them happening close together at the same time. In short, we can see how this idea requires a very large number of very unlikely events to explain the vast number of heavier stars. This is more magic, miracles without a miracle worker. The famous and reluctant convert from atheism to Christianity, C.S. Lewis, put it well when he wrote, If the solar system was brought about by an accidental collision, then the appearance of organic life on this planet was also an accident, and the whole evolution of humanity was an accident too. If so, then all our present thoughts are mere accidents, the accidental byproduct of the movement of atoms. But if their thoughts, that is, of materialism and astronomy, are merely accidental byproducts, why should we believe them to be true? I see no reason, he said, for believing that one accident should be able to give me a correct account of all the other accidents. So said C.S. Lewis. Good point. The Bible book of Genesis says that God made the sun and the stars on the fourth day of creation week. This is neither magic nor superstition, because God is able to do such things. Isaiah 40 says, It is he who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to live in. Raise your eyes on high and see who has created these stars, the one who brings out their multitude by number. He calls them all by name. Because of the greatness of his might and the strength of his power, not one of them is missing. Notice the expansion there. But for sure, you must first believe the God of the Bible exists and is the rewarder of all who seek him. Hebrews 11 verse 6.
Thanks for your talk today, Brian. And if anyone has a question about any of the talks in this series, then do please write in to sft at churchesofgod.info and discuss it with Brian. I'd like to remind you as well that there's the transcript book of all the talks in this series, and that'll be helpful to you if you want to pursue further studies. So please let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. First, it's available online and you can obtain one by downloading it from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and ask for a hard copy book to be posted to you. And just ask for the title, Miracles Atheists Believe. And don't forget to include your own postal address so we know where to send it. And you can use email or the post and here's our address. Search for Truth. Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN4, 8DY, UK. Now, email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So, that's almost all we have for today, but many thanks indeed for the privilege of your company. And thanks for giving us your time. Next week, we have another talk in this series, and it's called The Origin of Life. And I wonder what miracles atheists believe about that without involving God. So do join us if you can, same time next week. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from my Bible teacher, Brian, our producer, David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon. And in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Sing to